Hello and welcome to Meandering with Myrn, a potpourri of podcast by me, veterinary ethologist Myrna Milani. Join me as I ponder any and all things animal and human, what we know and what we don't, where we've been, where we are, and where we're headed. This week's podcast includes a brief update of human-animal-planet news. It serves as a reminder that, regardless what's going on in our human worlds, there is a much bigger, more complex human-animal-planet one out there. For those prone to apocalyptic thinking, swarms of ticks are creating problems in parts of Russia even as swarms of locusts plague parts of Africa and the United States. However, unlike the locusts, who wreak havoc with vegetation but don't bite people, ticks are another story completely. Several species of ticks swarm, but the swarming ticks making the news in Russia are notable for multiple One Health reasons. The ticks are hybrid of two common Russian species that scientists believe evolved in response to the unusually warm winter experienced in those areas. If that sounds like a recurrent theme in human-animal-planet news, it is. It's also likely that the related weather changes were associated with climate change. Another repeat theme. If so, then the hybrids may be better adapted to survive such climate-related changes than members of either parent species. Evidence supporting this includes the hybrid's ability to reproduce rapidly and produce fertile offspring during the unusually warm winter. That's an excellent skill to possess when conditions are uncertain. It's also one that takes longer to evolve when environments are more stable. From a human perspective, the hybrid ticks also combine the worst qualities of their parental species. They're aggressive and capable of transmitting diseases carried by both parents. Although this further enhances the hybrid's ability to survive in a changing climate, it's bad news for the people bitten by these ticks. In addition to carrying Lyme disease, some of the hybrids also carry encephalitis. The swarm sizes and effects were so unexpected that supplies to treat encephalitis and vaccines to prevent it were soon depleted. Worse, more won't be available until July. All this in areas also coping with COVID-19. If this sounds like a repeat theme in the human world, it is. Meanwhile, residents of other areas face a different kind of plague. This one also resulted from human error. According to the original 1930s plan, importing Rhinella marina, 
a species of toad from Central and South America, offered a safe and natural way to rid the sugarcane fields of South Florida, Hawaii, and Australia, and similar climate, of destructive beetles. In theory, the toads would eat the beetles that killed the plants. Only somebody didn't do their homework. The toads couldn't jump high enough to catch the beetles. So instead of eating the beetles, the toads ate all kinds of native and beneficial species instead. Unhampered by any natural predators in their new locations, they decimated some local species. The species that survived had to compete with the toads for resources. Today, homes and other human-made structures in landscaping replace areas once covered by single-crop sugar plantations that themselves had replaced natural environments. But Rhinella marina finds suburbia acceptable too. However, for multiple reasons, residents of those areas don't like the toad. The toads are big. They can grow up to nine inches long. That's a big toad. And there are lots of them. Plus, they secrete a toxic substance from glands on their heads. Like other invasive species from warmer climates, they've adapted well to life in South Florida suburbia. But when torrential rains in these low-lying areas drive the toads out of their burrows, they hunt for food anywhere they can find it. And once they find it, they often find these new human habitats more attractive. Imagine you're a dog owner in South Florida and your yard hosts a population of large toads hopping about doing their toady thing. The probability is high that even some of the most well-trained dogs will have trouble ignoring those toads. The temptation to grab a toad could become overwhelming. And the more hysterical owners scream at their dogs not to do that, the more likely the dog will chomp down on the toad too. Sadly, canine mortality from contact with Rhinella marina secretion ranges from 20 to 60% if the dog isn't treated immediately. On a less grim note, Another article addressed another study of a species adapting to climate change and human habitat destruction. Specifically, researchers wanted to determine if the skulls of city-dwelling foxes in the UK were smaller than those of their wild cohorts. If so, this would mimic what occurred when dogs evolved from wolves. The groundwork for this study was laid in work by Russian scientists studying domestication-related changes in these animals that began in the late 1930s and continued for decades. 
For those with an interest in the evolution of the human companion animal bond, these fox studies stand out for four reasons. One, the Russian scientists bred their foxes for only one trait, tameability. Tameability referred to the fox's willingness to tolerate humans, not like them, not love them, not wanting to die for them, just tolerate them. Think of this as a willingness to form the most basic human-animal bond. The scientists then bred the offspring of those foxes displaying this trait, then repeated this process for decades. Two, just breeding for a willingness to tolerate people over time changed the fox's looks. Their muzzles became shorter, their eyes more prominent, their ears bigger, and the color and texture of their coats changed. Put another way, the foxes looked more infantile. This was referred to as pedomorphism or neoteny. Three, just breeding for a willingness to interact with people also changed the fox's physiology. This included how their bodies handled two substances that play a role in the stress response, cortisol and serotonin. The more tameable, friendly foxes were, the less able to handle stress. Four, the study proved that the foxes evolved as a mind-body, behavioral, and bond unit. As the study progressed, all of these changes became more pronounced. Think about that. Think about that as it relates to hybrid disease-carrying ticks in Russia, giant toads capable of killing dogs and a few cats in people's yards, and wild foxes adapting to life among humans in the UK and undoubtedly in the US too, along with raccoons, deer, coyotes, and multiple other species, as well as all their micropopulations of parasites, bacteria, viruses, and who knows what that bond with them. All of these animals, including us, trying to survive on a planet whose rapid changes we created. Many of these animals are adapting much faster than we are. Isn't it about time we did our part to help them? Who knows, in the process of helping them, we just might be able to help ourselves. You've been listening to a podcast by veterinary ethologist Myrna Milani. For more podcasts, commentaries, and books about animal behavior and the human-animal bond, and links to behavior and bond sites, check out my website at www.mmilani.com. For more specific information, feel free to email me at mm@mmilani.com. 
All rights related to the content of this podcast are retained by Myrna Milani. The background music, Molly on the Shore by Percy Granger, is used with permission from Katova Arts, www.katova.com.